0: How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases To tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful i'm taylor McGilvery. join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives we're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs we're exploring how these advancements touch lives reshape communities and pave the way for a brighter future subscribe to new wave on your favorite platform be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions. We're finding answers.
1: Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: Botox Cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA-approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
0: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
2: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
4: Hello, baby. Hello, my love.
3: Uh, ready for a new week of podcasting with a brand new, brand spanking new, Turn podcast brand.
4: I love it. I'm really excited. It's been in the works for a long time. And, uh, and if you haven't seen it yet, then you can uh, head on over to, Ooh. well uh patreon.com slash turn me on and yep. see um our some sort of new colors and image there you can see it on instagram you can see it on our website turn me on you can probably
3: fucking see it right now if you look at your phone or whatever you're listening to this on
4: it's us
3: it's it's our faces we moved away from the old uh the old uh, finger banging <laughs> finger banging image of P and the V, or it could be a B as well.
4: I guess, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I was justifying it to myself when I when I sort of noticed that it was out of date for sort of the range of t- topics that we talk about. Mm-hmm. The old school P and V um, finger, and but I but I was like, it could be a butthole. And here's actually that brings. I me stick to my
3: finger in buttholes a lot, so it definitely could be a butthole.
4: But then you'd have to squeeze your, you'd have to squeeze, you'd have to be not so much fingertip to thumb tip. You'd have to sort of um cinnamon bun your right. fingers in a circle create an really anus in tight
3: a yeah, tight tight butt. anus um yeah well i mean we've been ta- we've been kind of talking about it um at least for a little bit <clears throat> where you know the the podcast is now fuck i think it's like over four, it's like 4 <laughs> years old yeah you know we've been around since uh like valentine's day 4 years ago i think it's when we we started and things have evolved. Things have sort of changed a little bit. Like when we first started, you know, a lot of our episodes were like, what? tell us like, <laughs> tell us what you're shoving in your, in your <laughs> asshole. Like, you know, just wild, wild. Like, I just wanted to know what's the wild sex that people are having. But, but now it's, it, it really has evolved more into like, we still get some of that stuff. But yeah. But there's a lot more like, tell us, <laughs> tell us how you're taking care of yourself, you know, like. Uh, that sort of shit. So it's, um, you know, with the, with the evolution of the podcast, sort of migrating away from sensationalized, sexualized stuff and, and more towards, I don't fucking know. Food for thought. Food for thought, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, I was thinking about this in my walk here. Um, thinking about how you know a couple of the conversations we've had lately have have really touched on mental health particularly one Mm. which I think will come out next week but um talking about like the 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 dsm so like the diagnostic manual of 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 like like psychological mental illness illness, and seeing how many sex related things are in there
3: yeah that yeah I mean so again this is a next week's episode yeah with uh Laura Zam but we did talk about that. And and that was actually something that I didn't quite know until we were talking to her.
4: Yeah. Me neither. But it really made me think about mental health Mm. as, and sex more than ever, how they play into each other because, you know, with being sick the last couple months Mm. and just like really dealing with some like, you know, low emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. I, and then having that conversation, which again, will come out next week with Laura Zam. I, think I started to see that perhaps more than I was willing to recognize before or more than it like I felt like I could justify before (coughs) that I may have been existing my entire life with like low level anxiety and depression that may Uh, have played into who, who I am as like a sexual being because you know as much as we've been having these conversations and like be pretty frank about our own experiences right. like the truth is that i don't really consider myself to be sexually empowered and mm. i i don't really feel like i have a handle on on a healthy sex life for me
2: right and
4: and i can it's sort of almost like buried underneath all of this work that we do to put out this podcast and all these conversations to put out there because it's in my life a lot more than like the average person with research and, yeah. and talking and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but the amount of sex that I have in my life is still, I don't, I don't think sufficient and in masturbation as well. Like right. just that those practices as an overwhelm service to like mental health, it, it, it's almost overwhelming when I think of like, Oh, now i got to fucking take care of Ooh. that thing. Like it's just another ball in the air that I've got to keep up there.
3: So what you're saying is you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk.
4: I don't think I do. Right. Okay. But I mean, do you do
3: it? Like when you say, do do you when you were you were just saying there about that you feel like having low underlining sort of anxiety has prevented you from being your like fullest, most authentic sexual self. Mm -hmm. Do you mean that your libido has taken? takes a toll or do you just, or do you mean in a more, in a more grander scale of like you, you don't, you don't even know, like you don't have a, You don't have a very good grasp on like who you are as a sexual being. Well, Is that what you mean?
4: No, I mean, like, that's a really good question. Cause like, I think there's so many layers and like, well, like this podcast has evolved. We both <clears throat> like, we evolve who, yeah. who we are sexually. And yeah, I've had right. like, I've had some really empowering sexual experiences and I've felt really empowered at lots of times, but where the word that trips me up all the time is libido. Like I don't even really fucking know what that means because I think about, I have no trouble. So, um, you know, I, kind of looked into a little bit to the DSM and, and like what female like arousal disorder would be. Mm. And it has a whole bunch of criteria, which we'll get into next week. But I, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, I don't think I have like a, a mental illness that's specifically fucking me up sexually, but with like a low level of anxiety or depression there, it's just like, whether it's meditating or whether it's masturbating, there's an effort that has to be made to like take care of yourself in that way. You have to make the effort to sit on your meditation cushion or you have to make the effort (laughs) to sit on your dildo. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, like I, you know, I have one sex toy in my life. Um, it's currently out of batteries, (laughs) but, uh,
3: batteries, what the fucking sex toys are you using? Batteries? It's a vibrator. It's 2021.
4: What am I supposed to do? Well, it has to. I'm not going to plug it into the wall necessarily.
3: Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I know that's you what can. most.
4: No, are you are you on like most. old? School? Are you
3: like are you are we talking like AAA batteries?
4: Yes. What? Why is that so weird to you?
3: I think that is an. I think that's an obsolete look. I could be wrong. I could be fucking totally wrong. I most think most
4: vibrators don't plug into the wall. I think they do. Some now. of them do. No, no,
3: I think they do. Now. I'm no. sorry. You bought an old ass <laughs> dildo. No, I, it's did it you, is. Did, old. Was it used? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, where did you get this?
3: Where, it was a wish.com? Where, where, are you, where are you getting your sex toys?
4: I, I, I honestly, I don't remember when I bought this sex toy. It was
3: a long I've, time. ago. I've
4: had it probably at least a decade.
3: Yeah, dude. You know why? Because <laughs> it takes batteries. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I,
4: I didn't realize that was. Oh, a, that's
3: so old school. Thing.
4: I know. Every,
3: and, sex toys now are like. Are, you know, it's like you, you. you you plop it on one of those fucking things you get from Ikea that charge your phone on a desk. You know, you just lay it on a thing on a base and it char- charges you shit.
4: You know, it's solar charged.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
4: <laughs> well, I didn't know that, but Interesting. I'm okay. definitely, I, you know, yeah. Masturbation month is coming up. Masturbation month is in May.
3: When is that? Oh, it's May. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? Does that just mean we just, it's just like go fucking hog wild and masturbate?
4: I think it can be whatever you want as much as
3: you want. I feel like our guest, uh, that we are going to throw to later this, this, uh, this episode, uh, Megan Stubbs who specializes, I guess one could say Mm -hmm. in, in living the single life. Yeah. Uh, don't, I don't don't want you to take that the wrong way. She'll, she'll go into that a little bit more, but, um, she would probably have a a whole hell of a lot to say for what one could and, and might want to do during masturbation month.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great it's it's a great thought. 'Cause so she wrote a book um um all about what it is to be uh, single and fabulous. Let me just grab mm-hmm. the name of it here. But I wanna actually, Jeremy, since you, you do all the medical stuff over in your other podcast, what do the uh, acronyms after her name mean? E D D and A C S. you know what those mean?
3: E D D is um uh uh educated damsel.
4: Uh-huh. That sounds about right.
3: She's an educated damsel. And then what was the other one?
4: Uh, The other one is um, ACS.
3: And is there there one capitalized over the others?
4: All triple, all three ACS are capitalized. What do they call that?
3: Post-nominals.
4: Post-nominals.
3: ACS, accredited. accredited
4: Australian Computer Society.
3: (laughs) Yeah, right.
4: No, it's not that.
3: I was going to say accredited... Cunt specialist, Ooh. but I feel like, uh, that, that is, that rubs some people the wrong way.
4: Well, it doesn't rub me the wrong way. Um, I, I think, well, I can't find the answers to that, but she, she, um, Megan. We'll get a
3: fucking email. Don't, don't you worry.
4: Hopefully, hopefully educate us. Um, she's a, a sex and relationship columnist as well with, for Playboy. I didn't know yeah, that we didn't yeah. get into that. Um, you should,
3: uh, do you follow her on Instagram? I, I should follow her on Instagram. It's a fucking riot. Is She's it? great. Yeah, Megan Stubbs. Check her out on Instagram. It's great.
4: Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> her book is called Playing Without a Partner. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I love, I love. It hasn't come out yet. It, it comes out on May 11th, which is great for Masturbation Month. Oh, great. Um, you can add it to your the book, uh, yeah, your the list. Yeah, book the Request- comes out today. Oh yeah. Um, but the the, oh, fuck was it? She also has a link in her link tree off of Instagram for sex toys. Oh, cool. Um, so she's, she's got a, a, like a partnership with vibrators.com. Nice. And, and how
3: many of those, those toys take uh, AAA batteries?
4: Well, I wish we, I wish we had had this conversation before we talked to her so I could ask her about yeah. my I,
3: I, I old could be ass. Wrong. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like that's kind of a sort of out of date, out of date thing.
4: I mean, I like I'm batteries
3: looking... in general are kind of be, becoming obsolete. You know, like everything is rechargeable, I, and it should be that way. I feel like batteries are a big waste.
4: Yeah, they're a huge waste. They're they're super bad. But I'm looking at all of these images of vibrators, and I see no cords. So I don't. I think we're just going to. Well, they're not going to gonna show you the
3: cords. It's, I don't mean like <laughs> they're not. The cords it's come. A, like I, I just bought a wand recently, okay. and it's and it's it's a cordless, rechargeable wand. So when it runs out of batteries, you take out basically the exact same charger as your phone. Yeah plug that into it, plug that fucker into the wall and yeah. let it charge for an hour.
4: All right. What toys do you have that are, do you have toys that are just that you use for masturbation?
3: No, I've never actually used a toy for masturbation for myself. Hmm. I say that with a caveat in that I used, I have used things. There was a thing that I think I've talked about this on the show, but there was a thing that I have to, that I had to use for my (laughs) lungs. It's called a percussor. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that because people with CF have a lot of mucus in their lungs, physiotherapy, AKA like banging on your chest is one of the treatments that they commonly use for people with CF. And so they've made a machine that does that essentially for you. And it's this little cup on the end of this like big black sort of, it looks like a fucking vibe. It looks like a sex toy. I mean,
4: it does, but it has like a jock looking like a jock cup yeah it's got it's got not
3: even a jock cup it's like a it's like a suction it looks like a miniature plumber okay or or, uh, plunger right so like a little suction cup and it goes (laughs) so you can change how like how fast it goes I used to take that and just ram it against the head of my dick when I was a kid and be like
4: wow 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 wowie if you want to see what that looks like, wow! We, uh, you can head on over to patreoncom termian.
3: So, uh, but other than that, I've never had like a flashlight. I would love to try one, you know. So we, we've this is not a paid advertisement. However, we have run ads for Intamo pleasurables. and through that, I've just fallen in love with them as a as a company they have a wonderful little boutique over on the West coast and they make lube and their lubes, my favorite lube right now. Um,
4: their lube is really nice. They also have great. a, they also uh, have a, um, it's like a lube, but it's, <clears throat> it's, it's specifically for premenstrual, like oh. cramping and stuff. So you just like rubbing on your belly nice. before like the week leading up to your period.
3: Sure. So, so their Instagram, uh, in Tamo pleasurables boutique, I think on Instagram, um, they will like feature toys in stories every once in a while. And they've been uh they've been like showing these these toys for people with penises. Um and they're like, they're kind of like fleshlights, I guess. I guess it would be considered a fleshlight. I don't even know if that's like if that's still what what the term is, but um, there's like these crazy, almost like like HG Geiger-esque pieces of art where they're like these weird It's this tunnel with like this crazy intricate like like nipples and 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 little like fingery things inside, and so they fill it with lube and they'll like they'll they'll I don't know like stick their hand in it and fuck their hand to just show you how it works, and I'm going, I gotta try that. Like that looks, but it's kind of like it. It sort of reminds me of like uh, the you know the first time I ever had sex on MDMA. Mm-hmm. Where I was, I was a little scared to do it because I was like, "What if I fucking ruin sex forever?"
4: Right? You thought it might be so good.
3: If it's so ecstatic <clears throat> that sex will never be as good, obviously it's not the truth. However, it is amazing. Like having sex on drugs is amazing. It's unlike anything, but it doesn't take away from <clears throat> how good sex can be. Okay. So I know that this sex toy thing probably isn't that. It, although there is a small part of me that's like, "What if I? What if I?" what if I fuck this little sleeve thing? And I'm like, goodbye, other bodies. Right. I don't need anyone.
4: I had to look up that artist. It's H.R. Geiger.
3: H.R. Geiger. Sorry. What did I say? uh, H.G. Oh, sorry.
4: H.R. Geiger. G-I-G-E-R. And uh, whoa. He's the
3: artist behind Alien.
4: That is some wild looking art.
3: Yeah. Very, uh, very sexualized.
4: Yeah. Phallic. It um, made me... While you were talking, because I was sort of like my brain divided and went over to like Google this artist, I was thinking about, I was imagining that you were talking about like, like some sort of some sort of thing that you would insert your penis into, but then, but then you could also insert it into a a vagina or a butthole from there, and it would it, it would it would there would be like the penis, but then there would also be other tentacles. Like like mm. you're like suctioning like an octopus onto a partner's like back end.
3: Yeah, that sounds fun.
4: That sounds kinda cool, huh? Uh <clears throat> I think I just invented <clears throat> a sex toy.
3: For anyone who is um who is uh watching this episode or wants to watch the foreplay episodes, um you can do that on patreon.com dot slash turn me on. But I'm just gonna throw here to some HG Geiger. You can see
4: yeah, look at the
3: isn't that fucking wild. Look at that. I mean this is like ugh, it's intense. Intense art. I it just intense. just Google it real quick and look at what you see and it's like a lot of really it's spooky stuff. Very spooky and uh and it's just like Dark Dark and weird.
1: Yeah, I like it. Very
4: cool. Um,
3: anyway, uh, was there, there was other stuff you wanted well, to, uh, yeah, I thought, to chat about, right?
4: I th- well, I just thought because we, I, I sort of had asked Megan in the episode if she knew <clears throat> much about like the history of, uh, of like the spinster. Oh yeah. Myth. And. So just, uh, just
3: help me out here. The spinster, is the spinster like the, prof- like the, the,
4: <clears throat> is
3: that like the archetype of, of like the. The person, namely in the times, like the woman who just couldn't,
4: or just didn't find a mate, or just didn't, didn't
3: want to, like it,
4: I think it umbrellas all of those things. So right. it 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 was just used to to describe um a, a single woman who was old enough to get married and didn't.
3: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
4: Um. And it definitely, like the word spinster has old, it's definitely old fashioned. I think it's now, it's now considered sort of a derogatory term. Oh, if I
3: called someone a spinster, uh, I'd get canceled?
4: Well, you know what? I don't know. Because when you put it like, it's when you, when you name it as an archetype, right? I think it can be a really useful kind word of and tool. Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: But what if I was like, you're a fucking spinster?
4: Well, yeah. You shouldn't say anything to anyone like that unless you want to make them feel like shit. Yeah, right. That just seems mean.
3: Totally, 100%. Um
4: so basically so when spinster first uh, entered English in the mid 1300s it referred to a woman who spun thread and yarn. So they were often like lower class women <clears throat> who had to work low class, jo- low class jobs. It
3: makes me think of Rumplestiltskin.
4: Oh yeah. Why?
3: Cuz isn't that whole story about like he there's this there's this woman who Who's like sp- like spinning gold yarn or something, or like she's like spinning yarn, and he's like, if you say my, uh, I, don't, I forget what it's like if you say my name, I'll let you be I'll, like, I'll, you can be my wife. I don't fucking remember.
4: We'll have to look this up, but it, that's Stiltskin. a really creepy old uh, story. Yeah, um, I, I would love to to actually dig that back up and brush it off and look at it, but um, yeah, there was something with him with the with him where <coughs> she had to give him. Her child, something her firstborn like child, yeah, something like that. He
3: was like, "If you can't weave this room full of gold, gold, gold yarn, I will steal your baby or something like that." I she was like, "I she, fucking, I th- I'm a spinster. I got this shit."
4: No, nah, I think he granted hey. her wishes or something. I think she got wishes. Hey,
3: Taylor, Taylor, <laughs> what's this stiltskin? What was that story all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like yeah. you got to be in this room and sew me golden, golden. All right, yarn.
4: Well, sounds like a. There was
3: something about stealing a baby though. It, yeah, no. And he was and he was like a he was like a a troll. A, he was like or a something. dwarf. Yeah, he was like he had dwarfism or something.
4: Yeah, he was a, like definitely or, not a human. He a wasn't leprechaun. a human.
3: He, he, I mean, I picture him as a leprechaun, but a nasty leprechaun like the movie.
4: You know what? I bet if H.G. H.R. Geiger. Geiger drew him, it would be the fucking scariest Rumpelstiltskin you ever seen. Um, but I wanted to also because we love words so much. Um, I wanted to just unpack the 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 uh, <coughs> the word spinster. Okay. a little bit more. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, um, so a woman who spins or whose occupation is to spin, and by law, an unmarried or single woman. Um, by the by 1800s oh, mm-hmm. okay. by the 1800s the term had evolved to include women who chose not to marry um, and it didn't include let's say widows
3: that's a different category that's, that's definitely a, okay.
4: a different category um, now I wanted to give you a, a few uh, a few synonyms just in case you want to mix up your vocabulary when you're calling someone a A fucking spinster?
3: spinster? Yeah, I got it. Um,
4: Okay, so thesaurus.com gives us a bachelor girl.
3: You fucking bachelor girl.
4: (laughs) And you know what? That's funny because bachelor is like the the male equivalent. Bachelor
3: girl? Isn't it bachelorette?
4: Well, I don't know because bachelorette almost seems... That's what the show is. I know, but bachelorette, they're getting paired off. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. And the only word for, for the, male, the male version of, of spinster is bachelor. And it's like.
3: This is too binary.
4: Yeah. Okay. Fuddy duddy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> fucking fuddy duddy. Yo, that's my new word. <laughs> fuddy duddy. You are such a fucking fuddy duddy. Yeah. I am. I am now. Anytime I'm going to get angry uh, uh, behind the wheel. Yeah. Oh, you fuddy duddy. Well, Cut me off.
4: Yeah. Are you calling them a spinster or are you just calling them a fuddy-duddy? I'm duddy? just calling
3: them a fuddy-duddy.
4: Um, it, it implies a negative qualities such as being fussy or undesirable.
3: Fuddy-duddy feels so good in my mouth. Okay, what That about, might be my new favorite word, fuddy-duddy.
4: You've never heard that before?
3: No, I didn't even know that was a word. What? Fuddy-duddy?
4: Okay. You uh, just made that up. No, it's here on thesaurus.com. Somebody else made it up. Fuddy-duddy. There's more here. You're going to like this. Oh my God. So goody-goody. Yeah, okay. Right?
3: That, well, that's... Hmm. That's That doesn't. I don't. That doesn't compute with me.
4: Well, there might be like an aspect of the spinster uh, thing where it's she like doesn't put out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, like lo- the
3: opposite of of a of like a, a loose woman. Yeah. Right.
4: Um, <coughs> lone <A> sloot. <laughs> I really like that sloot. I don't know who calls a slut <laughs> sloot, but I really <laughs> love it. You
3: slooty fuddy daddy. <laughs> uh, lone woman. Lone woman. I sure. like that.
4: Yeah. Maiden. Again, that's a whole other archetype. Right. Prig.
3: A prig. That does not say it. I've, man, you call someone a prig.
4: Yeah, is that and not... And they don't
3: even know what you're saying to them. They're still going to be offended. They're going to be 100%. A prig. You're... Get, get out of here, you prig.
4: Yeah. Um. Okay. So, okay, here's Fuck, another old school one. Here's an old school these one. great. Catherineette.
3: Catherineette. Oh, that's... Uh, Jeez. Okay, I'm so fortunate for all Catherine's.
4: Catherine's was a traditional for a traditional French label for women of 25 years old who were still unmarried by the feast of St. Catherine on the 25th of November. Uh,
3: okay, okay. A special
4: celebration was offered to them on this day and everyone wished them a swift end to their single status.
3: Oh, okay. All right.
4: Um okay, then we have medieval single women um, which again, I mean, that's
3: just, that's just one of the words. <laughs> yeah. S- spinster medieval s- single woman.
4: Um, okay. all my
3: medieval single women, all my medieval <laughs> single women, all my fuddy daddies, all my fuddy daddies.
4: Okay. Um, I'll put your hands up. Okay. Here's yeah. one that actually, so I clicked on this. It was the Wikipedia heading for this was she never married, Yeah. but it redirected to he never married. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read this because I found it really interesting. He never married. Was a phrase commonly used by obituary writers in the United Kingdom as a euphemism for the for the deceased having been homosexual. Whoa, mm-hmm. whoa! Interesting, huh?
3: So if you so if you read an obituary and it was like, "And Thomas <clears throat> Middleditch, he never married."
4: Everyone's like, oh, "Everyone's he's like, gay. oh, he yeah. was
3: he was a gay."
4: Yeah, a sim- a similar phrase used. Was- no,
3: did they? Did they? Well, I guess you probably wouldn't know this. Are they making assumptions? Are they going well? Thomas never actually married, so probably he was, he was probably fucking he was probably fucking gay. But well, down that you never married.
4: Yeah, I would say probably. Gee, you, you could also say conf- it was a confirmed bachelor.
3: A con- that was another way of saying that he's gay. Yeah, a confirmed bachelor.
4: Yeah, Pff, and I don't dude, know why we,
3: humans are so fucking weird.
4: It must have been used similarly for for the she never married because she never married doesn't have its own Wikipedia thing. It just redirects to he never married. But anyway, here's oh, there another you
3: one. Go. This is the, that's just that just goes to show how much
4: uh, how much
3: science doesn't care about women. they don't want to give you the Wikipedia page for she never married
4: <laughs> maybe I'll have to write it okay uh, sure. here's this one's Chinese Nu, which means leftover women or leftover ladies
3: Shengnu
1: mm-hmm.
4: yeah it has been also used colloquially to colloquially to refer to women in India, North America, and other parts of Asia. Hmm. Um, leftover women. Yeah. Huh. What do you think about that?
3: Like, what does that mean? Leftover, like,
4: like they didn't get paired up. They, they just, just got. They,
3: they were just. They're in that. Left. They're in the leftover pile. Yeah. Oh, that's a. I I hope no one ever gets called Shengnu. No. That hurts my heart.
4: Yeah. Anyway, that, that's basically all I could find. <clears throat> well, if any, of that, if
3: any of that made you bummed out, if you're listening to this and you were like, well, I'm a fucking shang New. I'm a fuddy-duddy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a confirmed bachelor. If you're feeling like, fuck, I'm single and that doesn't make me feel good to hear these derogatory, shitty words, I'm telling you right now, this conversation with Megan Stubbs will pick you up and make you feel like Beyonce when she kicked through the fucking doors and won a Grammy for that song. All the single. I don't know if she won a Grammy for that song, but she just, she just swept the Grammy. So but, she? yeah, she did. So, so it, it, this is, this episode is for all my single people.
4: All of our couple people because I know all
3: our couple people.
4: I took a lot away from this conversation. Yeah, yeah me too. Especially sure. just about like being an autonomous human being and like happy and in love with yeah. my own life and not settling. Yeah. That's another another good one there. Yeah. And also the reminder that <laughs> that one thing that, that I think uh that well, I've read that, that single people want that married people or coupled people is a trap that they fall into is like it reduces their social circle because suddenly yeah. they're sort of like it's less intentional. You don't have Mm. to make plans with me. You just kind of always have someone there to hang out with. So the idea, like I've really taken that home um, and thought about it since we, we, we chatted with Megan because the idea of just like, Oh, wait a second. Like my life, my friends, like Mm. my circle there, that's all really important to how I show up in the world and then how I show up in my partnership second, you know? Yeah anyway
3: yeah yeah and I think we all we all know those people in our lives where it's like they got into a relationship and you sort of never really heard from them again yeah you know, they sort of like drifted away
4: they, they come up out of the they've been submerged in like child mm. rearing and mm-hmm. then suddenly you're like oh my god we fell away from one
3: another yeah right yeah uh, well is there anything else you wanted to hit before we throw to this conversation with Megan Stubbs
4: no I think that's it for yeah. this week
3: Uh, then folks, that is it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our little intro there. And Hey, if you like these four play segments and you want to watch the silliness, uh, and the seriousness, you can go to patreon.com slash termion where we are publishing all of our four play segments on video and to all of our patrons who have been, uh, helping us and supporting us through the years, through these four years of where we've been here and through this evolution, uh, we thank you. There's some changes coming up to the podcast and, um, you know, I think for the better and, uh, and we're glad to have you along this journey with us. So thank you for everything that you've done so far.
4: Yeah. It means a lot. Thank you so much.
3: Um, that, uh, that leads us to throwing to our conversation with none other than Megan Stubbs, the, uh, the woman who is all about being single and making it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, So we hope you enjoy this conversation with Megan Steps.
4: I've been really looking forward to, to chatting with you since I heard about your book, um, which is called Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating and Happiness. And um, I'm just going to be totally forthcoming here and say that we just re- we recorded um, last week with someone on the subject of fantasies. And I'm going to tie that in with our conversation today because in in my dark moments in relationships, I fantasize about being single, and it's not about like going out there and getting all the sex. It's just like
3: having oh, time like, to do what it you want. it. Seems like
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: no nobody tell me what to do, mm. um, and so I'm really looking forward to to having this conversation. I was I was just kind of catching the end of a, a podcast that you were speaking on before, and it's it's a much Broader umbrella, the single life than mm. I think I I previously would have thought. So, um, would you be willing to tell our listeners who you are and what, how you identify as a single person, and um, a little bit about what brought you to write this book?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dr. Megan Stubbs. I'm a sexologist. That's the job you didn't see on Career Day. Um, <laughs> I've been hashtag super single for a long time. <laughs> And it was kind of just like, I don't know, destiny to write this book because the publisher was looking for a book on this topic. And I was like, go on. I this is my life like, I know, know, all
3: about it. Yeah, yeah,
5: I'm like the expert you needed. So it's uh, a fun combination of my own personal life with my professional life all mixed into one cohesive book for people to read and enjoy um, whether they are single or partnered to. I think there's a lot of uh, valuable information in there that can be taken away if you are in a partnered relationship, but just really about just building up yourself and feeling good about the situation mm. that you're in. Because I mean, I, at, go ahead, Brad. At the end of
4: the day, we're all kind of single people trying yeah. to make it work
5: with other people. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, you close your eyes, it's just you. Even if you're laying <laughs> next to someone, like you have to be happy with your situation. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I I'm uh, I'm dying to know. You know, was this a? I feel like this book probably would be uh pretty valuable for for anyone at any point in their life, but. Um. Currently, where we are in, in this state of the world, I feel like this book is kind of coming is coming coming to, to folks at a really like opportune time uh, because we, you know it's one thing to be single and to navigate that lifestyle um, during <coughs> regular times, but then I feel like it's a whole other fucking ball game to to navigate that lifestyle during a global pandemic. Um, how do you, do you feel like, do you feel like, like,
2: Is this I incredible the book timing?
3: before, uh, before we ended up where we are here today.
5: Oh no. <laughs> it was written during the pandemic. Whoa, no shit.
3: Okay. Yeah, You're okay. one of those people. You're one of those people who
5: wrote a book during um, the pandemic. I don't recommend doing that.
3: <laughs> no, I bet
5: not. But, well, uh, how, then how
3: much did the, how much did the, the current state that we find ourselves in, play a role within the, the, within the narrative of the book itself. Like did, 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 did you, did you feel like the pandemic was kind of having a, an effect on, do you think, do you, okay, I'm sorry. Let me, let me rephrase that. Do you think the book would have been much different if you had written it in pre pandemic times?
5: No, I don't think it'd be vastly different. Um, because, I was writing it during the pandemic. I was still writing it from a point of view of like what normative life would be like. But as the year went on, we were able to add in not fun facts, but facts about the pandemic and how it's impacting people Mm. and to put that into the book to give, I guess, perspective and comparison, because this book is still coming out during the global pandemic. So the information is still applicable to pandemic times and in non-pandemic times. Um. One of the questions,
4: this is just going to just going to take us back in time, even pre-pandemic. One of the questions we like to ask our guests, like right off the the top is, is basically what your origin story is in terms of, like you said, sexologist doesn't, it's not there on career day. So (laughs) who, who, what was it like for you growing up sort of discovering sexuality and ultimately choosing this as a field that you'd like to go into?
5: For sure, yeah. I was always that friend you'd go to to ask about sex stuff or sex advice, relationship advice. Um, I was a voracious reader, and still am. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in my office in front of all my books right now. They're um, color coded. I love it. Yes, mm-hmm. I did the rainbow thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just always just thirsting for that knowledge because you know, changing bodies and like you know, feelings and talking with my girlfriends about boys and stuff. It was just like we're not having these conversations in school, so it's like we got to go, you know, forge our own trail here. So growing up, that was me. I was that friend. And we get into college, or not college, we get into high school. And, you know, we're starting to expand more into like, you know, manual sex and oral sex and talking about things like blow jobbing. (laughs) And so having those discussions with friends, the, you know, knowledge just kept growing and growing. And at that time, it was like, you know, you're going to college, you know, what are you gonna do for a real job? And it was like, I'm super good at science. So let's go to school to be a medical doctor. Mm. So I went to undergrad and got a all right, sorry. I went to undergrad and then I had a biology degree path with a pre-med emphasis and that was going great until I started taking chemistry classes and chemistry and I did not mix. It was not a great time and that was when I actually failed my first class ever and I was like, "Oh my god, this is a wake-up call. Like I can't be a medical doctor." I'm sure I could have slogged through and done the required chemistry classes, but it was like sucking my soul. <laughs> and I was just like, "This I, this doesn't feel right." So, I was actually reading a Cosmo and I saw the word sexologist just randomly one day. And it wasn't until I was like, sexologist, is that even a real job? Cause like, I'd never seen, I mean, I've probably seen the word before, but I'd never mm-hmm. like thought about like biologist sexologist, sexologist, huh? And so I Googled on my dial-up back then to see like, is that like a job you can do? Is this and acceptable? I, yeah, yeah is this a thing. <laughs> and I found one of the few graduate schools in the country at the time that offered graduate degrees in human sexuality. And I was like, oh my God, like this is my destiny, even more so than being like a medical doctor. So after graduating with my undergrad degree in biology, I went out uh, to California and got my doctorate in human sexuality. And I was like, this is like the perfect fit. Like this is me. Like this is ultimately like my destiny.
4: The perfect fit. That's a really yeah. good way to put it. <laughs> given uh, some of the conversation I was hearing about um, not settling, which I'd like to get to mm. a, a yeah. little bit later. So d- did your, did you, did your friends or your family have anything to say about you going off to be a sexologist? They were like, this fits <laughs> this
5: track. <laughs> it right. made right. sense. Yeah, it made sense. You know, so uh, I was able to, you know, combine my own anecdotal experiences and stories and then get the like educational perspective and like, oh, that's why, or like, oh, that's what's going on here. So um I really value people who can share their own stories because there's nothing like having your own experiences, but also to having the knowledge base to speak on these things. Cause I feel like During these pandemic times, everyone's become a coach. It's like, "Uh, hold up. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Not that you
5: have to have graduate degrees or something in uh, human sexuality, but you have to have done more work than I had a threesome once. So let me tell you all how to have threesomes. Like, whoa, slow down. No, you Mm -hmm. don't. (laughs)
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Did you always identify as a super single, even all through those
5: high school and college years? You know, there were some false starts and, you know, there are relationships, of course, but um, for the last couple of years it's been like super single <laughs> right on
3: how much of your your background as a sexologist ha- like has played into your own personal story of of you know being a a uh for lack of a better term like professional single person you know like I like to to write a guide on how on how to um how to like live your best life as a single person, a guide to, to sex, dating, and happiness as a single person. Is, is the work that you had done as a sexologist like, did that play a lot into your own personal life? Or 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 were you or did you actually spend a lot of time like doing self work in terms of trying to figure out, you know, the the best ways to live your life as a single person?
5: Yeah, I would say my background as a psychologist definitely has impacted my personal life because I can't help but try and live out the teachings I learned and also now teach um, in my own life because I, I don't want to settle. So I tell people don't settle and I'm over here not settling. Mm. And so it's just really like living, kind of like walking the walk. Um, I do want to be in a relationship. I'm not trying to be single forever. Um, it just happens to be the status of where I find myself right now um but it's definitely informed by my career because i don't want to have people thinking that they have to settle because you don't have to you can have a very fulfilling life as a single person you can have some of the best sex of your life as a single person and that's what i teach and also try to implement in my own life so it's always yeah. a reminder of like you don't have to you know because other people are doing things on their own timeline that doesn't mean that you're falling behind or that you should be hitting these milestones that your friends or you know colleagues might be hitting because everyone's path is different.
3: Mm. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the the having having a great sex life while single. Because I know through talking to people on this show and and just through talking to, you know, people within my own social social circle, there seems to be this this um, this idea that typically sleeping with strangers typically leads to like. More often than not, poor sexual experiences. How do you how do you go about coaching or or teaching people how to have really satisfying sex with someone they may have uh, they may have just met and will likely never see again?
5: That's actually a chapter in the book.
3: <laughs> Amazing, Yay! Amazing. We, people in the
5: wild and having sex with strangers.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you um, have good sex in the wild? That's what yeah. I want to
5: know. <laughs> um, everything that I teach, whether it is sex, relationships, body image stuff, um, it all boils down to some form of communication. So mm. just because you are, are you are meeting someone in the wild and they're a stranger doesn't mean you can't have really awesome sex. So you really have to get specific on, you know, your needs. You know, I love it when you blank my blank, or I love it when this is stimulated in this way, or I'm really into this. You have to be really vocal to communicate to your partner what works for you. And then also at the same time too, be an avid listener to what they're saying. And when they say, Oh, I like this, or I love, you know, doing this because that makes me feel like this. And so just having that comfortable level of communication to have that give and take to realize, you know, we're not just gonna be fumbling in the dark and trying moves. We tried on the last partner because they liked it. Mm. That is a way to hook up with someone. But the better way is to really communicate and get specific on what you both want
3: what what if you're what if you're someone who and i know this is this is probably a a rather common <clears throat> sentiment you're someone who like is feel i and i feel like it it probably stems from our 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 very poor um sex ed that exists in 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 north america but like what if you're one of those folks who has a feels really shy about talking about the things that you derive pleasure from or that you like in bed. Like I I know a lot of people have a hard time just talking about what they like um, with, with strangers, let alone even with them themselves.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, also in the book, I feel like I'm not trying to plug the book every single time.
3: (laughs) This is it. This is great.
5: A really great option is to fill out a yes, no, maybe list. Um, You can Google that on Mm -hmm. Google (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then find this list of, a bunch of activities. And so you can sit down with yourself and fill this out and circle like kissing. Yes, I love that. Um, spanking, maybe put a little question mark by that. And then like uh flogging, no, circle that. I'm not into that. And then so have your partner fill out the same questionnaire and then come back together and then compare and say, Oh, where do we overlap? Oh, you're curious about pegging? Me too. Let's see if we can explore this. Oh, we're mm. both not into pearl necklaces. Great, I'll put that down. <laughs>
4: Duly noted. I love yeah. just showing up on a date with like your paperwork. <laughs> a binder. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah.
5: I'm Let's Fill this out. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
3: just slide it across the table.
5: <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a good way ever, to break the ice. Yeah. If there's ever something you want to try or maybe introduce, I love saying, you know, Hey, I heard a podcast or I read this article where they were talking about um, threesomes, you know, Would you be into that? And that way you're not putting your partner on the spot to say, like, I'm into threesomes. How about you? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Or they're like, no, I don't want to say no, but I'm not really into them, but I don't want to upset them. So just taking the pressure off of you and just saying, hey, I read about this. What do you think about it? You can probably get a more authentic answer from your partner.
4: Mm. Right. Like starting a conversation, a hypothetical sort of conversation.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: I like that. (laughs)
3: Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break.
4: Um, so what, what does it mean like in, in your writing? And I assume you, you, you have spoken to other people and gathered information from other people about what it means to be a single person. Um, and it's, and it seems to me, the statistics are showing that more people are choosing to be single than ever before. So I'm wondering what, what kind of stories you've heard or reasons, um, you've heard that people might be sort of gravitating towards that, as opposed to following the beaten path of like coupling up and, you know, going down that road.
5: Yeah. I think people just feel more empowered to like drive their own life. And so when the past, it was like, you know, uh, get married, white picket fence, two and a half kids, you know, they're breaking away from that narrative and saying, you know, what's going to work for me. So whether that's They want to pursue a career or they want to travel more or they haven't met the right person or they're just having fun, you know, with casual encounters. I just feel like people feel more empowered to say like, hey, I'm choosing this lifestyle and that's okay for me.
4: Does that trip like let's say when you go on dates with folks, do you do do you get questioned a lot about your your single status or your or your um, like why you haven't partnered up?
5: long-term yeah it usually does come up uh that and just questions about my job <laughs> Which right hate, but um it does and then so my answers are I just haven't found the right person yet and I'm not looking to settle I have some you know things that I'm looking for and things that I'm not and so with the current availability of where I live it's just not worked out yet
4: so on that note of settling then Uh, this is a big question I've always had is like, especially in an age in a day where we are all feeling a little more empowered to be like, this works for me and this doesn't work for me. How do you differentiate between settling and being having like unreasonable expectations?
5: Yeah. So there's always going to be compromise in a relationship. You're never going to have everything go your way. 100% 100% of the time. So I think it's important to really map out, maybe make a hierarchy of what's important to you. So for me, I don't want kids. That's a hard like line for me. Uh, suddenly would be going with someone who wants to make babies with me. And that just, sound, that just sounds terrible to me right now. Mm. So for me, I can't do that. Like that's not going to work. Um, if someone was uh, a cat person, I'm a dog person. I could live with that. I'm not settling. I'm compromising. I'm saying, okay, we can let this mammal live in our house too. Um, (laughs) But I guess settling just makes me feel like you felt trapped. Like you had to say Mm. yes. Like what's the reason behind this? You know, um, are you like going against your own beliefs or the things that you want to have in your life? And you're just like, well, forget all that. I guess I will end up, you know, having kids and having six cats with a smoker who doesn't have a job and I make all the money and they drink all the time. You know, it's just, Mm. ah, I was going down a hill of like, oh, this doesn't sound good at all. So um, there's always going to be compromise. So whether that is you being childless with a cat person with plenty of dogs too, to balance it out, (laughs) Uh, you know, there's going to be give and take for sure. I, I just feel like
4: it's something that I personally come up against with, especially with like feminism and, you know, questioning, you know, the way I was socialized to how much of a role does it play in what I'm willing to compromise. And like, you know, I'll find myself sometimes going down a road with a partner and we're going down the road and there's a future in view. And I look at the future and I go, I think I want that, but I could be wrong. I could just have a really like a partner who's really clear on what they're, what they want. And whereas I'm not sure. And that's when I start, you know, I I think I'm just over big overshare here. I think I'm chronically, um, like I have a lot of self doubt. I I, I like to refer to it as a feeling is like going through life with my foot, like resting on the brake, just in case we go too far in the wrong direction. And so sometimes Mm -hmm when I'm analyzing like where I'm at in my partnerships, I'm like, how much of this is me just like drifting along for the ride? Because in a way I do want to be led. Um, And where, like, how can I tell internally, like if I could really tune in, like whether this is right for me or what changes need to happen for this to, to fit, for me. So in your book, do you talk about techniques for that kind of introspection?
5: No, but that's really, that's really good. Um, we're mostly talking about how to be a single person, live your best life and be happy. At the very end, we do talk about meeting people in the wild and dating and having sex with strangers but that's a really important point you bring up um I think it's really common to be wary when you're in new relationships to you know after the NRE wears off and you're like whoa like you know what what does you know eight moves down the road look like am Mm. I still going to be with this person um those are really great questions to ask yourself and then also reflect on okay why am I feeling like this you know Am I worried that maybe, you know, three years down the road, there's going to be some big drastic change and I might be losing myself. So it's always great to check in with your relationships and, you know, see if you're both growing in the same direction. And the thing is, too, is that people do change. And so sometimes things end. And so we Mm -hmm. have to normalize that, too, because just because you dated for maybe two years and you ended it doesn't mean that the two years you were together were a failure. You know, it was just maybe at that point in time, you guys were aligned. And that's great. And then you drifted apart. And then, okay, it ended. It's like talking about your favorite TV show. And then the the series ends you're like, oh, I can't watch Breaking Bad again. (laughs) But you're like, it was still a good show, even though it it ended. So you have to look Mm -hmm. back on it fondly and say, okay, well, that was a really good time. You know, on to the future. And there's
3: nothing worse than a TV show that goes far (laughs) beyond... The, the length of what it should go. You know, those yeah, T V shows. That, ended. Yeah, like Lost should have ended after season one. You know, like it shouldn't <laughs> have gone seven seasons. Uh yeah. I, I relate I relate relationships and and pretty much everything in life to television shows. So that totally speaks <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um uh do you do you think that there's I mean maybe this maybe this kind of plays into the whole um like not having the ability to to find compromise but like do you do you think that there's a possibility that some folks might like like um that there's like a, a potential risk for almost becoming addicted to single to single life and and like i there's someone in i i can't say the name but there's someone that i know you in my own personal life i have a friend who <laughs> is uh has been single forever and every time they are seeing someone new i always hear about it from them and it's like this new amazing thing and it's like it it like the way they talk it's like it sounds like oh this is the one forever forever and then you know like two months in what happened to so-and-so uh Yeah, it was just. uh, I have a friend like that too.
4: We might have the same (laughs) friend. It's not the same. It's not okay. Okay.
3: Um. So so and and part of me wonders like is is this person
4: is this person
3: setting themselves up for failure because they 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 have this expectation that is just simply not possible to reach or attain, or are they just addicted? to the new
4: relationship energy.
3: Yeah. Whether it's new relationship energy or addicted to like the, the, you know, there's something very sexy and attractive about, um, about the, 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 you know, the quality of being, of being single, but also just having no one to not having a boss, you know, like it's like, it's like being your, it's like being, that's not what I mean, but, but like being (laughs) self-employed is kind of like, that's really, that's really attractive, really sexy. Cause you don't answer to anyone. You can kind of, it's on your own schedule. You're, you're at your own whim to do whatever you please, whenever you please. Singlehood, I, I believe is kind of similar to that where it's like you, you're on your own. You can, if you want to, I mean, you can't really do this today, but if you want to pick up and fucking, you know, fly to another country for a couple of months just to explore, you can do that. There's no one, there's no one to ask. There's no one, there's no compromise to be made. So like, I I don't know what my question is here. I I, aside from perhaps like do you think that there's a do you think that there's a a almost an addictive quality to being single for some people?
5: I don't know if I'd call it an addictive quality, but I would ask your friend who's like the serial, just like new dater, do they want to be in a relationship? Or Mm. are they just having fun doing all these new relationships? Because you could, you know, they could say, like, this could be the one. And if you want to get specific, be like, why didn't it work out? Like, what was the, like, no factor for you? And so if they can get clear on like, oh, they were talking about settling down or, oh, they wanted to move and I don't want to move. And so or if like they're worried about feeling trapped, like I don't want to have to give up my pickup soccer games or, um, I don't know, boys night.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: yeah,
5: right. um, I don't want to be I want to be able to go to the strip club with my buddies. OK, you know, so ask them, you know, what's. Mm. First, do you want to be in a relationship? If they mm-hmm. say they want to be in a relationship and they're constantly going through people like I don't know, samples at the grocery store, <laughs> you know, ask them, like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. are you dating the wrong people? Are you just, you know, not being serious and being authentic and saying, "I'm looking for a serious relationship? Or are you kind of just going in it to like this amorphous like, oh, we'll see what happens. Um, I always have so many questions. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. yeah, totally.
5: But I don't know if it would be addictive. I think when we can get specific on like when you mentioned feeling trapped, like you can't just pick up and go somewhere without asking Mm. someone else. Um, I feel like a lot of relationships have flexibility in letting their partners have autonomy to say like, hey, I want to go out for, you know, a wine tasting weekend with my friends. Okay. See ya. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I have a lot of follow up questions. Mm.
4: Autonomy is a great word. Because I, I think like referencing what I was asking about earlier, that's the thing. It's like I feel like I want to be autonomous and I mm-hmm. want to be an independent person. And so I might be wary of like a ball and chain situation when it's not actually happening. It might be self-imposed because I haven't mm-hmm. talked to my partner about whether that's like I like to pick up and leave the province, at least maybe not the country, whenever I want. Um, this just occurred to me to ask, in your studies or in the writing of this book did you research do any research on like the history of like um what do they what do they call people who what do they used to call ladies who had been like um single spinsters yeah yeah exactly the history of that and like the stereotype the negative sort of stereotype that came with that
5: yeah in the beginning we talk about the public perception of what it means to be single like why aren't you desirable why aren't you settling down what's wrong with you so all those things um culture and society puts on the single person and also the perceptions of people who are partnered and what they think of their single people in their lives so yeah Mm -hmm. we definitely do cover that it's interesting it's like oh it's either like they're having so much fun or like oh I feel so bad for them they go home alone all the time (laughs) it's like yeah and I have the whole bed to myself
4: (laughs) I would imagine that there's some, probably some undercurrent for some p- people who are partnered of jealousy of the single person as well. Like, but it comes out as a pity. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, I mean people always think the grass is greener, but you never know someone's true situation mm-hmm. unless you're like living in their shoes. <laughs> <You> <laughs>
4: go have a
3: no, no, go for it, Brad.
4: I don't know if you can speak to this, but this isn't something that's come up in my s- psyche anyway for the last little bit is like I'm not I don't want kids either and I have at times felt that there is sort of an impenetrable wall that I can't quite see or name between myself and my female friends who are mothers in that like it's a club I won't be a part of, and the language that they use to describe, you know, this love that they've never understood until they had kids is, is like, yeah, I feel like I'm on the outside sometimes looking at, and I'm quite happy, you know, I, you know, I'd rather, you know, be, be quite confident in my decision than having children and regretting it, which I'm also seeing more and more headlines about. Um, which is cool that people are talking about, but can you, sp- can you speak to that dynamic at all? Um, cause I imagine there's some parallels between like single and coupled, but then there's also kids and no
5: kids. Yeah. I think, are you familiar with the word compersion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in this instance, you can have that feeling of compersion for your mother and friends. So I have friends who are popping out babies all over the place right now. And so I see that and I'm like, oh, my curiosity level has not reached the level where I'm like, maybe I should have a baby. I mean, I have a dog and that <laughs> I mean, I know, I know I feel the love that they feel for their child. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, but I, I do realize I'm not going to be a member of that club because I'm not going to be a mom. So mm. that's that's okay for my friends. And I'm, I'm very happy for them. I'm happy to see them take on this new role um, and also keep their identities that they had before they became a mom. They're not just a mom. Now they're still you know, my amazing, awesome friends, uh, who do rock climbing and yoga and everything else. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I'm feeling like less that I won't ever feel that experience Mm. because I'm happy for them. But I also know, I feel that with my dog. Like I feel that Mm. with other relationships that I have, I'm like, wow, this is, Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be like, love is love, but like, this is a really strong love that I share with my, you know, my dog.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. I feel that with my dog.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, it, I, it's funny. I had three people who don't have kids, all, all of them going, <laughs> I feel that for my dog too. <laughs> and, yeah. and the amount, the amount of people out there listening right now that have kids going, you fuckers don't. don't know. You fuckers <laughs> don't know.
5: Until you're sitting with your dog post anesthesia while they're yeah. pooping because they can't even control their bowels, oh, buddy. with them, don't know where they are. Like, I don't want to hear that you don't know. Yeah. yeah. We know. We know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't diminish our, yeah. you know, Pet parenthood.
4: (laughs) I I think it's a good point too because I have a massive family. I have a huge number of brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews. And when I think about having kids, and it it almost seems to me like you go into a bit of a cocoon of just like raising your babies. Like you Mm. need to put that time in there, and that part of my brain goes. But I already don't have time to love the people in my life the way that I want to love them, Mm -hmm. and you know, working on lifestyle decisions and choices that will enable me to, to show up for those people mm. in the way that I really want to. So I think, I think that and conversion are very helpful. Conversion is a very helpful uh, frame framing mm. of that mm-hmm. situation for me.
3: I'm i uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts on, uh, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like it's being, being single and really loving being single, living your best single life. Um, Uh, that self-pleasure plays a really big role in that for maybe not for everyone, but, but I think for a lot of people, um, which is also something, again, just kind of linking back to the poor sexual education that we've all received. Uh, I think self-pleasure is one of those things that a lot of people also struggle with, um, or, or at least aren't so familiar with how to best, you know, serve yourself, uh, for lack of a better term, what do you have to say about, about that exploration and, and sort of learning and exploring the, the parts about yourself that, that feel good and, and how to pleasure yourself in a way that, that again, you're serving yourself in the best way possible.
5: For sure. I mean, pandemic time aside, it's so great because you are your own best lover. You're always with yourself <laughs> as I hold my hands up. <laughs> it's, it's free. It's ready to go right now. And it's one of the few things you can do that have no risk. And it's just great information. I would say time spending yourself is never time wasted. So the more you get to explore yourself and discover what you specifically like, because we all know Rajen stones, we know nipples, clitoris, penis, all that stuff. Mm. But, you know, maybe you're really into, you know, soft neck caresses or maybe you're into like whisper light touches on your belly or something like the more specific you can get on what really turns you on. You can both use that knowledge for yourself. And then if, and when you decide to have a partner, you can tell them, Hey, I like these light belly touches (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you can pass that on to them. But the more, you know, how to turn yourself on and love on yourself, the easier you can fall into that headspace of like arousal and feel good and sexual pleasure. You don't have to seek it outside of yourself like in someone so someone who feels like they have to go find someone at the bar or meet someone online and have a hookup session maybe they're the people who are not having great satisfying sex because they're like i don't really know what i want maybe this person i meet will know what to do to me uh i hope maybe Mm -hmm. you know that's when you can go down that road of like not great sexual encounters so the more specific you can get on what you like the more you can turn yourself on and then spread that knowledge to others
3: Mm. It's been a while since I've been single, Um, but I have to say, after this conversation today, uh, if for whatever reason I happen to become single in the near future, I feel a little less anxious about how that experience might feel or be. Um, Just again, let our listeners know. So the book, it's uh, Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating and Happiness. It is uh, coming out pretty soon. May 11th. Is that is that correct?
5: Yes, that's correct.
3: May Woo-hoo. 11th. Um, how
5: excited are you? Yeah, I'm so pumped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, uh, Megan, this has been really, really fun to sit down and chat with you and, and to kind of unpack uh, just, uh, you know, what I'm sure is just the tip of the iceberg of what is to come with your book. And uh, how can people uh, follow you, follow what you're up to and, and kind of stay up to date?
5: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is like a great conversation. We can just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, listeners can find me at sexologist and I'm sexologist Megan on all the handles.
3: Sweet. Amazing. Thank you so and much.
5: And co- you do coaching as well? i Is don't that- do coaching i do speaking so yeah. i speak on college campuses universities um i host private events for people in the lifestyle so i teach actual like sex classes <laughs> amazing well, i used to hopefully we'll pick that up again when we can touch each other in public <laughs> yeah, right,
4: right. <laughs> amazing awesome. thank you so much it's been yeah, such a thank treat you, Megan. This yeah great.
5: thank you
3: All right, there you go, folks. That was our conversation with Megan Stubbs. What a lovely guest. And again, I highly recommend checking her out on social media, in particular Instagram, because it's the only place that I am really surfing these days and follow her there. And it's a
4: hoot. Right on. And get her book. It comes out. You can pre-order it through her Instagram. It's called Playing Without a Partner. It launches on May 11th. Give it a read and uh, let us know uh, how it changed your life.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and hey, folks, speaking of uh, how it changed your life, if you want to let us know how we've changed your life, <laughs> I'm just joking, if you want to reach out to us in any manner whatsoever, um, <clears throat> you can email us, Termionpodcast at gmail.com.
4: There's also a submission form at termionpodcast.com our website.
3: Which we just overhauled with our new branding. I hope you enjoy it, folks. I do. I love it
4: and uh and also if you want to head on over if you've been listening for a while and on the fence about supporting us uh, you know be a be a producer of our podcast it really it, it it's your dollars that make this happen and um you can add that those letters those post-nominal letters to the end of your name podcast producer if you uh if you hit us up on patreon.com slash journey on
3: yep uh all right folks that is it for this week
4: it sure is baby
3: until next week
4: He loves you.